I'll pray and then I'll explain what's going to happen. Father in heaven, this is the day that you've made and we pray that we rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, So in your mercy, pour your spirit on us today, we pray, uh, and strengthen us by your word. Uh, All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, welcome to Sunday School. If, you're, um, if, you're, if this is your first time, uh, then uh, a double warm welcome. The idea of it really is we spend about 30 minutes, 40 minutes um, on Sunday mornings uh, with a bit of teaching from the front, a bit of discussion around tables. So it's, more, it's not kind of preaching, it's not a second sermon. Um, it's a bit more informal than that. Normally when we're slick again, we'll have kind of coffee and tea and everything. We do try and start prompt at half nine. The kids are next door and then we're in here. Um, but if we don't start at half nine, then it gets ridiculous because we only have 20 minutes left or whatever um so sorry we're not quite sorted this morning but we'll we'll try again next week um this term we're going to do two things next week for a couple of weeks we're going to do a little mini series on kind of getting going again devotionally beginning of a new year often people think well i'm going to get stuck into reading my bible and praying and so we're going to think about that for two weeks um and then the, the biggest series this term the main series is going to be about um, what it means to be men and women um in in the bible so it's not going to be so much on kind of, um, you know, the kind of the hot button issues like transgenderism or sexuality, or more just what are, what are the patterns the Bible lays out for, for what, um, as men and women, our lives um, should look like. But this morning we're finishing off a series we began before Christmas and then got cancelled for some reason. Can't remember. Um, thinking about really thinking about what it means that Jesus is God and man. Um, so we called it the men who tried to steal Christmas. Before Christmas, we looked at two sort of famous figures from church history who were heretics, um, who taught wrongly about Jesus. Um, and we tried to look at them not just as a matter of historic interest, because not all of us are particularly interested in history, but why it matters, why it matters that we understand Jesus rightly. And so just around tables, um, I've put four or five questions on the top there. Don't get drawn in like oh let's have a massive discussion about it just sort of almost like gut answers um, as you look at those four or five questions um, at the top there um, j- just have a go at them the quote by the way at the top in our world too a stable once had something inside it that was bigger than our whole world anyone know where that's from yeah, it's, it's from um, Narnia um, so right at the end of the Narnia stories they they the sort of the, the death scene essentially they go into the stable and find out they're in a whole new world and they can't understand how they went into a tiny stable they're in this and one of the one of the children says that anyway round the tables there you go have a crack at that for a few minutes okay um we're going to come back to those so um don't worry if you haven't cracked them yet we're not going to do feedback right now Excuse me. Um, it's worth saying, uh, and I perhaps should side with this, that um, I'm pretty confident that everyone in this room um, believes Jesus is God and man. Um, and almost, almost everybody who we're looking at today, even the baddies as it were, thought that. Okay, so no, one, no one's denying this week, no one's denying that Jesus is really the son of God. Um, but it's, it's, it's more that when they try to sort of talk that through, how does it work, that they got themselves into trouble. Now, we had a helpful question, I think from Mandy, um, I think it was in this session, the, one, the equivalent session before, before Christmas, where essentially the kind of question falls down to, does it, do I need to panic if I've sort of thought about this wrongly? Okay, if I can't, haven't quite got it right. 
And the answer, I think, is, is no. Um, we're not saved by the purity of our doctrine. Um, and actually, what we're talking about here are deep mysteries. Um, nobody fully can get their head around how God became man. Um, because he's the infinite God, you know, you just can't do it. He's, he's infinitely above us. We've got tiny human minds that are also clouded by sin. So we've got two problems. So we don't need to panic that we can't parse this all out perfectly. Having said which, neither are they questions that I think we're just meant to sort of push aside and say, well, it's just, just sort of academic stuff for, I don't know, university theologians or something. Um, God has spoken about these things in his word. So it's good sometimes to slow down and really try and dig deep and almost almost kind of swim in the, in the wonder. Um, the fact that you can't get your head around it is not meant to make you think, oh, stuff it, let's walk away. But, but wow, this is incredible things we're thinking about. And there are real um, significant consequences um, to, to sort of understanding this rightly, as it were. So what I want to do is look at two men who got, it, who got the, the questions that you've just looked at pretty badly wrong in different ways. Um, Sorry, it's all still Christmas themed. This was all meant to be wrapped up before December the 25th, so it now looks kind of like someone's left their Christmas tree up till February. But um, I've called it the Christmas Creed. It's not its official name. There's a little section there from what's called the Athanasian Creed. Now, Athanasius was a, um, a minister who was a kind of great theologian, a great defender of the truth. He probably didn't actually write the Athanasian Creed, but they sort of stuck his name on it as a kind of, you know, this is all fair, this must be good because we're going to call it the Athanasian Creed. Um, and this is just a section from it. Let me read it to you. We're going to walk through it and then look at these two, two baddies. So, uh, for the right faith is that we believe and confess, and this is talking about Jesus, perfect God and perfect man of a rational soul and human flesh subsisting. Okay, so talking about Jesus, rational soul and human flesh, equal to the Father as touching his Godhead, and inferior to the Father, as touching his manhood, who, although he be God and man, yet he's not two, but one Christ. Uh, One, not by conversion of the Godhead into flesh, by turning his God nature into human nature, but by taking of the manhood into God. One altogether, not by confusion of substance, but by unity of person. For just as the reasonable soul and flesh is one man, so God and man is one Christ who suffered for our salvation. That's where it's all driving to. That We need all this to be true in order that he might suffer for our salvation. Now, what is going on there? That, that might sound like total gobbledygook on a Sunday morning. Um, but, but these are things that really pretty much... All Christians have believed, doesn't matter what kind of denomination you're in, where you're living in the last 2,000 years, pretty much everybody has held to this. What's going on? They're they're trying to lay out how Jesus can be one person, but have two natures. One person, but two natures. You might remember if you were here before Christmas, that one one buddy, this guy Nestorius, wrestled with the idea that Jesus was God and man, and basically ended up saying, fairly crudely, that there are essentially two Jesuses, sort of one hidden inside the other. So Jesus was two natures, divine and human, but also two people, therefore. And kind of human Jesus and divine Jesus were totally closely aligned that they could walk in step with each other. Um, But ultimately, they were distinct, two persons. 
well, that was a disaster. We thought about that before Christmas. That's a disaster because ultimately, um, you know, which one's saving us, God or man? Only God can save, and yet we need a man to represent us. Not going to go over that again. Uh, this little section is trying to work out, well, okay, if we are saying Jesus is one person, how is he one person and yet still fully God and fully man? And they do it in part by, by laying out the negatives. Even if we can't understand the positive, how exactly that works, we can lay out a few things we shouldn't think. So it's not by stopping being God and turning into man. Sometimes you, you sort of, it's the way people talk about Christmas. Um, even the language, God became man. Now it's totally okay to say God became man. John 1 says the word became flesh. But that's not the same thing as if we say that, um, I don't know, a, a caterpillar became a butterfly. As it was a caterpillar, then it changed into something else and became a butterfly. Okay, that, that's not what John 1 is saying. So he doesn't stop being anything he was before. Um, nor do the two natures, human and, and divine, get sort of mixed together. Do you see the line? Um, I've sort of indented it. Um, it's the third line up from the bottom. One altogether, not by confusion of substance. So Jesus isn't, it's not, it's not that the two get kind of um, blended together. Um, like if you cross a zebra and a horse, you get a zorse, genuinely, as that's a true thing. Or a lion and a tiger, you make a lion and a tiger, you get a liger, you know, you get these kind of half. Jesus isn't half man and half God. Uh, rather, the two natures are not mixed, but united in his person. And you might have noticed this phrase comes back time and time again. Um, that Jesus has a reasonable soul as well as a flesh. In other words, so um, reasonable doesn't mean sort of, um, yeah, he's a very reasonable guy, you know, get on with him nicely. Um, reasonable means a sort of a proper thinking um, mind and soul, just like you've got. So yes, Jesus has a human body, fingers and a heartbeat and lungs and all the rest of it, but he also um, has, a, has a real human soul. And therefore you end up, to, to go right to the top of that creed again, with perfect God and perfect man, who is, as a God, as God, Jesus is equal to the Father in every way. There's nothing, there's no power that God the Father has that God the Son hasn't got. Um, there's no authority that God the Father has that God the Son hasn't got. Equal in every way, according to his Godhead. And yet, it's also true at the same time that Jesus is inferior to God the Father, as far as he's man. Okay, because any true man is inferior to God, even if you are the God-man. So according to his human nature, he's inferior. And the last thing they try and sort of cancel out is this idea that, um, that when Jesus became, uh, became man, it was as if his, his divine nature replaced something um, in our human nature. Um, so just to get a little bit clear on that, because we're going back to do some discussion, if you flick over the page, let's look at two ways people got this wrong, and that might help us to get it right. Um, along came a guy called Eutyches. I put his dates on there. He's sort of end of the 4th century into the, into the 5th. And he was really worried about this kind of story, so he thought there were two Jesuses, essentially. He thought there were you know, um, man Jesus and God Jesus who lived together in perfect union. So he taught instead that the, the two natures fuse together to form one new nature. So he would say Jesus is from two natures, 
divine and human, but not of two natures. He no longer is fully those two natures. The divine nature absorbs the human nature as the ocean absorbs a drop of vinegar. So Jesus stays God. He's of one nature with the Father, but he's not of one nature with us, said Eutyches. So when the, when the, the human nature was... Um, uh, when, well, when the Son of God took on a human nature, it kind of absorbed it, like dissolving salt into a glass of water or something like that. So Jesus isn't one nature with us, said Eutyches. Around the same time-ish, another guy called Apollinaris. And this guy, I think this guy is the teaches um, the most common of the heresies that just at a pop level you see around today. So I think this guy, although it sounds really weird, and he's got a strange name, and he's from a long time ago, I actually think what he teaches is, is quite a common understanding. Um, he taught that Jesus was, was really human and really God. Okay, he'd be really adamant on that. But what happened, he's trying to, well, how, how can you put the two together? We well, said, well, there's an answer to that. We know we are spiritual beings. We know we are body and soul. That's true, isn't it? You know, when you die, your body will go in the ground, your soul goes to heaven. We know we are spiritual and physical, to put it crudely. So said Apollonius, well, here we go, there's the answer. Um, Jesus was really human in that he had a real human body, took on flesh, looked and was genuinely a man. But in place of um, where we have our human soul, okay, or mind, it's sort of, you know, the Bible uses the word interchangeably, but the kind of you know, the you on the inside kind of thing, we all kind of know what we're talking about, even if we can't quite find the right words. In place of the, the soul... Hey, come in. Um, that's where the God bit went, if you like. That's where the Son of God went, replaced what would have been the human soul with the divine nature. Now, does that, does that make sense? As in, do you understand what he's teaching? Does anyone want to ask, or, yeah, for clarification on what he's teaching? Because what I want you to then do is, is sort of discuss why, basically why it's wrong and why it matters. But if you don't understand what he's teaching, then that, that's going to be hard. Are you happy? Exactly that. Exactly that. So there's no human soul because the spiritual bit is the God bit. Yeah. Um, so the Son of God takes the place. Now they use soul and mind interchangeably. The Son of God takes the place of the, the soul or the mind if you like, that would have been in, in, the, in the man Jesus. Um, so you've got basically got human body, divine mind. Sort of, yeah. Good. Um, round tables, back to tables. Um, so one, Eutyches is the fusing together. Okay, so the, is that's the Zorse or the Liger. Um, Apollinaris is the suck out the human mind and soul and pump in the divine son of God why are they disastrous and particularly I've put down for salvation and for discipleship okay for salvation and discipleship salvation is probably the slightly easier of the two discipleship maybe some slightly harder things to think about um, just for the sake of time why don't um, you two tables have a crack at um, Apollinarianism and you two have a tr- crack at Eutyches and if you do it just switch Okay, you've got about five minutes, and then we're going, to, we're going to try and answer all those questions at the beginning to wrap up.
Okay, let's let's um, let's have some feedback. So, um, so let's start with salvation. Um, I can't remember which table we're doing which now, but um, what is the problem with salvation? If you if you go down one of these two lines, Polinaris or Eutyches, um, which were the Eutyches tables? It's definitely two of you. So, well, okay. Um, what did you come up with? What's the problem? Why would the gospel not work? Someone be brave. Second. Okay, and which bit for Eutyches is missing largely? What will be the? Yeah. Um, so and that that is that's right at the heart of it. If he's not really human, then Jesus can't fulfil the law. Um, why can't he do it just as God? God can do it everything, can't he? Well, because uh, the punishment would be taken as a human being. If he wouldn't be a human being, it would be just. Exactly, yeah. So we need, the way God has set the universe up, right from Genesis 1, is with um, a, a human king representing us, Adam. That's why when Adam falls, it's not as if we all get made in the Garden of Eden and then have a go at not taking from the tree. No, we, we're represented by a king. Um, who has to be a human. We're, you know, we're flesh of his flesh, bone of his bone. So similarly, when we need someone to do what Adam didn't do, as in keep God's law, and then also pay the punishment for what Adam did do, and what we all follow in his footsteps, obviously, um, then it needs to be, the, that representative needs to be really, really human. Um, you can't have Gabriel dying for us, even though Gabriel is sinless. Um, what about on, which was that? That was Eutyches. What about on Apollinaris? Polinarian tables. Interesting. Okay, so is his physical body fully God? Is Jesus' physical body divine? Yeah. <laughs> I got a split vote. It's good. Uh, that side of the room, you no. Know. Um, no, his physical body isn't divine. It's human, as in it's united to the Son of God. But he, it's it's not divine because. Um, because it's human, <laughs> for exactly the reasons, in fact, for exactly the reasons we were just having here. You know, we need to be really, really man. Um, so, um, so the problem with Apollinaris, that idea of the mind is divine and the body human, um, it's not so much that the body should be divine as the mind needs to be human. Um, yeah. So. It, there's one of the kind of rules, one of the little sayings they had in the early church, but it's really helpful, is what was not assumed 
has not been healed. So what Jesus didn't add to himself, take to himself, hasn't been saved. So if Jesus hasn't got a divine, sorry, a human mind, he's just got a divine mind, then actually all our sins of thought and everything that comes from our soul, desires, all the things that come from the inner you, they've not been paid for. Which is a real problem because basically all your sins come from your mind and your desire, your heart, your soul. And that, that's our problem, isn't it? We desire the wrong things. If, if, we, if, our, if we were thinking rightly and desiring rightly, we'd never sin, but we do. So our problem is not just, it's not like, I don't know, um, you get caught stealing. You can't say, oh, my hand did it. You know, it wasn't me. It wasn't my, in my soul, I didn't want to steal, but my hand just did it. Oh, no. Your soul wanted to steal, and you made your hand do it. So you need a really human mind in Jesus and a really human soul. Um, the same, basically, the same issues play on for discipleship. Um, what, what does a real human look like? Well, you wouldn't know what either of these understandings um, because um, Jesus isn't really human. Um, it's interesting, by the way, that every now and again you get these things. For those of you a bit older, you might remember the Da Vinci Code. Um, articles come out usually every Christmas um, where someone argues that in the early days of the church, um, Jesus was just accepted as a good teacher, just a man. But then 300 years later, they sort of upgraded him to God in order to the Roman Empire could control everybody and all this kind of stuff. Um, it's total nonsense. It was, to- it was the other way around. Um, the, a lot of the fights in the early church where people say, well, he's God, isn't he? But he can't really be a man. Um, and so all these problems we're talking about today are people who, who, yeah, he's genuinely God, but they're turning down his humanity. It's totally the opposite of the kind of pop, pop history narrative you get. People trying to kind of say, oh, Christianity was just invented years later. It's exactly the opposite. Um, let's just wander through those. So those questions at the beginning, at the top of the sheet. Um, how did Jesus not know who touched him? Maybe he walks through the crowd, um, he's off to heal Jairus' daughter, and the, the woman who's been cleaning for seven years touches him, and he stops and says, who touched me? Um, you can think, well, how, you're God. Surely you know who touched you. Don't you know everything? What, what's the answer? Is he faking? No, always the right, yeah. Does he really not know? Oh, hand up. Well done, Georgie. Georgina Rhodes. <laughs> Top of the class. Uh, yeah, no, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Put far that in the mystery kind of mystery pool. But yeah, he, so he genuinely doesn't know as a man. Okay, and Jesus is experiencing life as a real man. So he does not know that. He wouldn't have known what the capital of France was. Well, there's no France, but you know. He wouldn't have known who was going to be centre forward for Man United in 1993 or whatever like but as God he would have known all those things but as man he really didn't and I think as you read the gospels basically what you're getting presented with of course is the son of God walking flesh but you're getting presented with the real man Jesus which is why he doesn't know who touched him or someone has to tell him Lazarus has died and when he gets to the grave he's like where's Lazarus um he's not faking um now, I don't know how his psychology worked, don't I? But Jesus has two minds, human and divine. One person, but, but two minds. And his human mind is human, so therefore it doesn't know everything. He's sinless, but he doesn't know everything. Um, so similarly, is Jesus' body everywhere, his physical body? No, it's in heaven. You know, it was in the manger, it was on the cross. He's now sat in, so somewhere in the universe, or in heaven, wherever that is, um, Jesus sat. 
But according to his divine nature, he's omnipresent yeah, everywhere. Um, is Jesus human in exactly the same way as us? That's a good question. Yes, no? Yes. yes. There you go, resounding. Yeah, exactly the same way as us, apart from sin, obviously, we sin. But. Say again, sorry? Exactly, yeah. But he's, so he never sinned, and he, never had, he didn't have a sinful nature, but he's human in the same way. Otherwise, the whole gospel doesn't work. He can't fulfill the law for us, and he can't die for us. Um, so, yeah, that's why the, the, the creed thing says of one... Um, I've lost it. Yeah, perfect man. Um, and a bit, it was last week's, actually, I think. Um, he's of the same substance as us. Because sin isn't part of what it means to be human. Sin is a corruption. It's like um, you, know, you get two Ferraris and put a dent in one of them. The dent isn't part of what it means to be the Ferrari. It's a, it's a corruption of it, a breaking of it. Um, so he has a real human nature, unfallen, but real. Um, does he just have a human spirit like us? Yes, of course he does. Did he need the Holy Spirit? What do you say on that? Yeah, yeah, as man. Of course he does. All human beings, we're built to run on the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's... That's what it means to be human being. And of course, he's filled with the Spirit. Remember the Spirit in Luke 1, we're told he's filled with the Spirit right from his mother's womb. The Spirit comes upon Mary. He's filled with the Spirit again at his baptism. You know. Yeah, Jesus is a man full of the Holy Spirit, which I think, by the way, is the most natural um, understanding of how he knows all sorts of stuff that he shouldn't know as a man. I don't... Now, people... This one is a kind of... You, you can debate this, and people have done in church history, so... Um, but... When Jesus knows things in the Gospels that you can't know just as a human being, like he knows what the Pharisees are thinking or you know, those sort of things, I think the most natural understanding of that is we're still meeting Jesus the man, as he's presented us in the Gospels, um, but he's having things revealed to him supernaturally, just like Elijah did or Isaiah did or any other prophet. You know, he's the greatest of all the prophets. So it's still being revealed to his human mind by, by God or by just divine nature or by the Holy Spirit. I don't know how that works, but... Um, but he's still speaking as a man. I, that's, that's where I would sort of hang my hat. Some people say, well, that's just where he's showing he's God. My problem with that is then it's a bit like, it seems a bit like he's sort of switching presentations. And, anyway. um, and also you've got to deal with the fact that it's not just Jesus who healed lepers and raised the dead and made things walk on water or float on water that should sink. And like Elijah did all that and Elisha did it. And how do they do it? Well, it's not because they're God. <laughs> It's because they were prophets, given the abilities by God to do these things. You know, Paul does amazing miracles, but you don't say, um, Paul raised the dead, he must be God. Um, you say, yeah, he was a prophet appointed by God. Again, none of this is undermining he is God. Okay, he very clearly says he is God, I'm not undermining it. But how did Jesus stay sin from it in, free from sin in every way? Not by using his divine power just to sort of smash Satan away, left right, but as a man, okay, as a spirit-filled man, walking as a man and he had to do it as man otherwise again it wouldn't count okay it's not it's not it's not like the cheat code in a game where you can just i don't play games but you know so they tell me you can put in a cheat code and you become like totally invulnerable you can just smash through everything and no one can cheat you and you know it's, it, jesus didn't come down and just sort of pretend to be a man and as god just cruise it he was a real man it was really hard um yeah uh and as a real man he did everything for us all of which is just meant to show the, the, just the, the wonder of the gospel, the amazingness of what God has done. He did not need to do that for us, but he became man, became like you and me. Um, and it also means that he really 
um, he's walked where you walk. He, he, he has really lived a human life, uh, which is extraordinary. Uh, we've gone on too long. Um, let me pray, and then we'll turn things around. If you want to, do grab me after if you want to ask questions, but yeah. Father in heaven, these things we, we, we talk about, and, we, and they trouble the tongue, but they are mysteries that will uh, amaze uh, the angels and humanity for generations and millennia to come. And so we pray that, that you would give us a sense of wonder and awe. And we pray that would carry into our service this morning. Would we be full of joy uh, because of all that you have done? Bless us, we pray, and we thank you so much um, that you've given us the Lord Jesus to live and die uh, as our King. In his name we pray. Amen.